Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Welcome to FIO on the Air. Sammy Felschenfield from Volunteer Toronto is with us. We've been talking about volunteers and on this episode we're going to talk about volunteer management and performance. Sammy, welcome back. Thanks for having me yet again. So management of volunteers and, and the issues that go around with them. Managing a volunteer is no different than managing a staff member or large groups of people and anything else that you've done. Can you talk a little bit about managing volunteers and and how uh, how to do it properly and what not to do? For sure. I think the very first thing to remember is that uh, a volunteer is a, a person, as people management and human management. Um, and people have their own way of doing things and their own ways of their own ways of uh, solving problems and their own ways of dealing with issues and whatever that might be. So if someone is is managing a volunteer, what's important to remember is, yes, they are a person, but they're also that's a person giving of their time. Um, It's not 100% being altruistic, giving and not receiving anything. Most volunteers will get something else in return, whether it's a great experience, it's satisfaction, they get actual benefits, maybe like transit coverage, whatever it might be. Uh, But it's remembering that they they are there to help you, and so you should be there as a manager to help them as well. Um, and what that really boils down to is understanding that if there is a problem, it's not the individual, it's the problem. It's the two of you against the issue. Um, so if, there is a, if a volunteer isn't performing well, it might be behavioral, but it's figuring out what the actual issue is to overcome it. And a lot of times, I know volunteering or managing people is not easy in the best of times, but at the end of the day, that volunteer has committed to you to help you and to, to get to your end goal. So, you know, I think sometimes you see somebody not doing what they're supposed to be doing or, you know, just chatting. I, I think the onus is on you to go up and say, hey, we, we really need your help. Can we Can we get you engaged and get you doing what you've signed on for? It's, it's not bad practice to remind the volunteers of that. Absolutely. It's, it's really important to make it clear to the volunteers from the beginning what you expect from them and also what they can expect from you. So one of the things that there's a, a tool out there called the Canadian Code for Volunteer Involvement, and it, one of the pieces of it, um, it's basically a guideline for volunteer management as a practice. And one of the pieces is the rights of volunteers and the responsibilities of volunteers. The rights of volunteers is that they're going to be in an environment that is being set up so that they can be successful. It's, it's as safe as possible. It's effective. There's structures in place. But the responsibilities is that they're going to do their best to meet the expectations of the role, and they're going to act with respect as well. So that it is a two-way street, and it's not just they're coming in, they can do whatever they want. Uh, you have expectations, they have expectations. The important thing to recognize, too, is in the volunteer management, um, is that you may be in a situation where you've got a um, a committee set up and you've got a chairperson who is in charge of that committee that has never vo- managed people before. How, how do we make sure that those volunteers get that little bit of management training that they need? Uh, I think the, the, the important thing is, is to be able to first know the kind of people that they'll be managing and then just looking out there to see what's available around whether it's personality management or whether it's specific kind of 
performance management. Um, and the difference basically is uh, personality management is if there's going to be people who like to talk over each other, people who like to take control, people who the issues seem to be behavioral. Maybe everyone likes to come late all the time. And it, what tends to happen, especially in committees and councils, is that they tend to focus on one, one type of issue instead of, uh, instead of a mix. So if that's the case and it's mostly behavior or personality, uh, or, or conduct issues, then it's finding the training uh, and finding resources. And there's a lot of stuff online. There's some stuff that I'll provide for you as well um, from us that talks about just those those sides of it and saying, here's how you manage uh, somebody's conduct or someone's uh, someone's personality in the context of the work they're doing. On the other side is performance issues. So people just not meeting expectations. So people just not doing things right or not doing things the way that they're supposed to be done, that's a completely different kind of management. And that is a little bit more specific to here's the expectations, here's how we can work together to solving those. And when it comes to the performance side, it might need a little bit more support from the organization saying, how can I, how can I let everyone know that we need to meet this goal? And you know what? At the end of the day, you, you're managing just as you would manage any other people or projects that you're doing. Um, you know, I've run into some situations where we've had to let volunteers go. Hard, hard to believe that, you know, at the one end of the spectrum, you're scratching your head on how to find more people. But sometimes you just have, there's a bad fit or somebody's not working out as you thought. And, and you have to go through that process properly as well. And it, the thing about, we, we say dismissal or termination, I'll mainly say dismissal, is it's not something to be afraid of. You're right, it's, it's weird to think about that, especially when you're trying to keep and find great volunteers. But you do have to let volunteers go. You don't want it to be something that lingers for years and years and it becomes an issue over time. Um, but it's true, you need to have a dismissal process in place. We recommend every organization create a dismissal policy that is unique to volunteers and let it be done as soon as possible um, just so that everybody knows if, if somebody is being dismissed, they're all subject to the same policy. Um, in the case of ours, we have a two-warning policy based on certain requirements, but we also have a few cases that would lead to immediate dismissal, and every volunteer reads it and signs off on it when they start. So they know this is something that could happen. Sammy Felschenfield from Volunteer Toronto joins us. We're talking about uh, volunteer management and performance back in just a minute with Theo on the air. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with Theo on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now. Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the air. Sammy Felschenfield from Volunteer Toronto is with us. We're talking about volunteer management. Um, Sammy, sometimes as a manager of volunteers, you have to do some unpleasant things. What what, What are some things you should look out for? For sure. So volunteers break rules. Volunteers may not follow instructions, whatever it might be. There's always a lot of reasons that this might happen. Um, and the first thing that needs to be done is that you don't assume uh, what the reason is. You just you probably just need to talk to the volunteer. So sometimes you do need to give negative feedback. It's super not easy, but it's something that does need to be done. The best thing to do if you do need to give negative feedback or just address an issue is do it in the moment. 
but also don't do it publicly. If you can pull a volunteer aside, or if it just can't be done till the end of the shift, make sure it's done before that volunteer goes home, just so that they know you're aware of the issue and maybe you have a chance to talk about it. And so if you do need to give negative feedback or kind of explore what's happening, is to really plan what you're going to say in advance. And again, I mentioned this before, focus on the issue, not the individual. So yes, those can be kind of tied together. If somebody keeps being rude to, to customers, we might immediately jump to saying this person is rude, but there might be something else going on as well. And, and sometimes you have to really look into the instance of what caused that to happen as well. Maybe you have a flaw in your plan that is causing undue stress on that volunteer and you've got to rethink and revisit that. And not that the that the action doesn't need to be disciplined or fixed, but you should also look at your process as well and what is causing that. Oh, absolutely. The last event I was a volunteer manager at, um, line maintenance was a huge issue. We had massive lines because of various issues we didn't plan for. So it was trying to deal with, I only had five volunteers dealing with about a thousand people in a line. It's a lot of, a lot of stress the volunteers didn't anticipate because we didn't anticipate it, which is our fault as the staff as well. Um, and so it's something that we basically kind of came together and said, this is how we're going to deal with the line. These are the solutions we'll come up with. But just to make sure the volunteers know where to go and what the solutions are, are going to be to deal with that. So, Sammy, we've talked a lot about volunteers. We've talked about recruitment, promotion, retention, recognition, performance. Um, at, at a volunteer centre like Volunteer Toronto, and if you're fortunate enough to have one in your vicinity that you can call on, uh, do they have programs that can help with volunteer management and different processes throughout that? Absolutely. Uh, a number of volunteer centres provide training. Um, most most often it's in-person training once a month or every other month. Um, and all of the volunteer center websites can can tell you where to go for that. Um, a lot of them also offer different resources. At Volunteer Toronto, we have a number of resources that are accessible to anyone across the province, um, and uh, and those are just at volunteertoronto.ca, um, which cover a number of different topics. So things we've talked about like retention and performance management, um, but also specific things like how to make sure that your volunteer program is accessible, um, how to make sure that you're creating good boundaries for volunteers. And then another tool that we have as well is uh, our own podcast called Little Bites by Volunteer Toronto. Um, and that's also uh, accessible on our website. And it's uh, topics that go in a bit more in-depth into very unique issues in the volunteer management world. So not even just making sure you're doing volunteer recognition, but making sure you're doing it well and different practices and tools for that, just as an example. And we'll make sure that we share that uh, information and link on our our site as well. Um, before we head off, Sammy, any any last words or anything you'd like to add? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think I'm definitely going to just say whether it comes to a volunteer being successful or not successful, you want to have a lot of things written out. Um, I've said many times that you write out your position description. I've said already today you should have your dismissal policy. You should also have, uh, I can't recommend this enough, some kind of thing that a volunteer signs off on to say they agree with what they're coming into. So we call ours an acceptance of roles and responsibilities. A lot of organizations and events use a code of conduct, and it doesn't have to be long. But what it does when a volunteer signs off is if there's an issue, if you want to want to, to make any changes, whatever it might be, you can go to the volunteer and say, hey, remember when you started and you agreed to what the expectations are? So because you agreed to that, you know that these are the changes we need to make or let's talk about what we can do to do differently. So it's a bit of upfront work, but it does save you in the long run. We updated our acceptance of role and responsibilities. It's about half a page long. It is freely available on our website as well. 
Um, and we did it a few years ago and haven't had to change it because it's been so effective in ensuring that our volunteers are all on the same page. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. One of the other things that I, I've found in the past of, of having problem getting some volunteers are uh, sometimes there's a certain cost to a volunteer to be a part of something and trying to keep those costs to a minimum. And, and, and I, I'll use the example of a police check. Um, you know, a lot of organizations will require a police check for their volunteer base. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure what it's costing now, but in the neighborhood of 25 to $50, depending on your municipality or your community. Um, any, is there anything out there to help with those costs? Or I wish I could say there was, um, but there isn't, and it's, it's challenging. We, we as an organization for our own volunteers, just the ones we have for our events and our services, um, we have a small budget line for transit. Um, to be able to cover a TTC fare in Toronto for volunteers coming to and from our office. But that's a budget line that we have in place that we specifically find funding for. Um, it's, it's a good idea for organizations to do as much as they can to have a budget for the volunteer program, whether it's covering police checks, covering transportation, having snacks or food at meetings and certain events, um, whatever those might be, any barriers you can bring down to volunteers is going to make it that much easier to find great volunteers. And we know especially across the province transportation is probably the biggest issue you can't your organization just simply can't buy a car and pick up volunteers but if there are other things you're able to do strike a deal with your local cab company to see if you can get reduced rates whatever it might be is going to really help break down those barriers Uh, sammy i don't know if you can if you can talk to this but uh you know i know a lot of our festival and events they use service clubs to to support their volunteer base or to run certain aspects of their events. And, and I know throughout the province, a lot of service clubs are having problems retaining members and no different than volunteer things. Are, are you guys in, in the Toronto area finding that as well? We're seeing an overall decline in, in basically anything long-term, whether it's a volunteer role or a membership. Um, people are a lot more interested in kind of short stints, short spurts, um, especially in the volunteering world as well. Um, but what it means is that service clubs, uh, not only in a uh, declining population, people aren't as interested in signing up for something long-term when they might be able to get pieces of what they want short-term from different things, or especially using social media or different services online to get what they were looking for before. So a lot of organizations are starting to focus on how do we get kind of short-term or how do we get existing groups to do something but not expect them to be around forever. And it's, it's a shift that's constantly changing. And I think 10 years from now, we'll be looking back and seeing that things are completely different just in terms of how, what kind of commitments we can expect from volunteers and from groups. I've got one more question before I let you go. And, and it, it's about minor sports and athletics and, you know, having kids that have gone through, uh, you know, some of the elite athletic programs, whether it's A hockey or double AA, A, triple A select there's a huge fundraising capacity that, that they have to raise for their teams in order to do what they do, whether it's selling chocolate bars or half chickens or 
um, whatever else they sell. But if, if you have a engaging those groups to do volunteer work, have you had any success or explored any of those models? Um, I, I'm going to be honest that we, we have not had success. It's really something we're trying to, to tap into. The biggest reason for that, especially in sports organizations, is that nobody considers themselves volunteers. Um, in a lot of cases, it could be the parents, and they're just there to help out. Um, and the language is very different, and they really are insular. They're focusing on, on the specific goal they have. We see the same thing in schools and high schools when they're fundraising or working on a project specifically for the school. They don't see it as volunteering. They see it as something that they're just working on. They're helping out. Um, so it's, it's something that I think us as Volunteer Toronto, but also the National Network of Volunteer Centres through Volunteer Canada, it's an ongoing conversation of turning that more informal volunteering into something that more and more organizations can use. Sammy, before we let you go, I'm going to give you the last word on volunteering. And, and um, you know, if you could uh, leave a parting word for our festival events people, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is make sure every single person involved with the, the festival, the event, the organization is on board with volunteers. Never take them for granted. Know that they're a vital part of, of the organization so that everyone from the CEO down to the, the intern in the summer um, or the summer student, they all acknowledge the value of volunteers so that volunteers know they feel valued. Sammy Felchenfeld from Volunteer Toronto has joined us for the past three episodes on volunteer. Thank you, Sammy. Some very good tips and points here for our listeners and our festival and events people. My pleasure. Happy to help. Next time on uh, FIO on the Air, we've got Harry Vogt from KW Oktoberfest joining us. Harry, uh, when he was a president of that organization, did an interesting uh, presentation to our board and to our volunteer base. And, and what Harry did is he broke down uh, 50 years of volunteering and he broke it down by decade. And, and what each different uh, group in there was looking for from a volunteer experience and and what we as an organization could use and 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 how to work with those different types so in, in our final wrap-up for volunteer um, work and appreciation uh, we're going to have Harry join us next week we thank you for joining us if you've got something you'd like to discuss or see us cover with you on the air drop us a line send us a note we're happy to help out I'm Dave McNeil you've been listening to feel on the air Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario.